following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. Blessings in abundance, some new faces, you are especially welcome. We are moving forward on a conference theme, Revival and the Coming Reformation. Revival and the Coming Reformation. We have been on a journey beginning last night, a little bit of an overflow into the Nuts and Bolts workshop today when we looked at false prophets, false revelation, making sure we are always familiar with the true so we are not deceived by the false. A major weapon of the enemy against the body of Christ is deception, and we are all vulnerable. We think we're not, but we really are. That's why in these days we need to be in communities of faith where only the true is celebrated and embraced. Tonight's message is called Revival and the Reformation of the Church. And we're all in that. We're all in that process, whether we want to be or not. But the subtext, the subheading to tonight's message would be Reformation is all-inclusive. Reformation is all-inclusive. We have been on our individual journeys during the pandemic, challenging times for planet Earth, but still trying to figure out the true and the false of that little dilemma. But we are moving forward in the grace of God. Reformation is all-inclusive. If you have a Bible, please turn to 2 Samuel chapter 1, uh, reading from verses 17 to 27. We're going to lay some foundation before we get into the part of the message that lands on our laps and begins to speak to where we are at today. That's so vital when we minister in the theme of revival and reformation, foundation and practical application and manifestation. The Lord alone births revival and reformation. He oversees it. And we are indeed, we are indeed his co-laborers in Elk River and beyond. Second Samuel chapter 1 Verses 17 to 27. A lot of Bible verses there. I don't think I will read all of them for the sake of time. But it's profiled theologically and in many translations of the Bible as the song of the bow. The song of the bow. I know that many of you here are journal and are very prophetic people in your own rights. And this is a very good portion of Scripture, the song of the bow that leads you and I forward into the new season. A thumbnail sketch of the backstory to the song of the bow 
as Saul was killed, the archenemy of David, and Jonathan, his soul tie, his soul mate, a friend of all friends, was dead too. But in the economy of God, something so significant was happening because a new season had come on the people of God. A Davidic order was being established. Saul is dead. Jonathan is dead. Tremendous wars had been fought and won by David and his army. And now they were moving into this new season. The Song of the Bow reflects a fallen order. An order that no longer has any immediate relevance. And a new seeking and direction. When the old begins to pass away, the people of God must seek new direction for the future. It's an important time in God's calendar that when the people of God are in between seasons, he releases a seeking spirit, a desire for direction no matter what the cost. When you go into the very heart of David's dirge for Saul and Jonathan, then it takes us right into the very heart of what the Lord had been doing up to that stage, even right down to grieving over the death of his friend and brother Jonathan. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, 26, he said, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women. Well, David knew lots about the love of women. I will say no more. But this was a special friendship that had ended by death. In many ways, a casualty of war. Saul was Jonathan's father. So in a bizarre way, Saul was a spiritual father of David, even though he wanted to kill David. It's not unusual, even in the body of Christ, for spiritual fathers to want to kill their spiritual sons. There's nothing new under the sun. But David was not in a depression. He was in a deep lamentation, a deep lamentation. What did that indicate? in David's life, as he was ushering in a new era in God, a new Davidic order. Well, the deep lamentation was evidence that a deep work had to be completed in David's mind and heart. For his lamentation carried the blueprint for the future. So often we're tempted to think in revelatory terms. Okay, Lord, you've got 20 minutes to give me the blueprint for the future. My ministry, the church, missions to the earth. Okay, Lord, crack on, I'm waiting. I wish it were like that. I used to think along those lines. Once upon a long ago, the Lord has incredible patience with you and I. Amazing patience 
with you and I. Personally, right now, and prophetically, I think the church, and by that I mean the body of Christ, is in a time of deep lamentation. We are in deep lamentation. If you're not in deep lamentation tonight, get into deep lamentation. Lamenting is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lots of reasons to lament because we are seeing the old order of the church falling away before our eyes. The old relevance of the church to the United States and my home country, the UK, has generally gone. And now if you're a believer, you're perceived negatively in British culture and American culture. And we've fought battles over the years in the kingdom. We've fought battles and been very wounded in many battles, in civil wars, especially in the body of Christ. Some of you tonight may have gone through the trauma of a church split and had your reputation massacred in the process. Some of you may have wondered, how on earth can so-called godly men and women behave in such a way? I encourage you not to brush that season under the carpet. If any of you tonight are lamenting over civil wars in the body of Christ that took place even decades ago, that's a good sign. That's a wonderful sign because it's evidence there's a deep work taking place in you. The work is not over. Do not ask the Lord, get me out of this season of lamentations so I can get my hands on the cheesecake. We need to pray, Lord, I'm happy to lament in the Spirit of God until your work within me is complete. Until I, you, we, this is my home church in America. Until we have the blueprint for the future. See, not such a bad thing to be in pain. Pain with a purpose. I've been a believer now for almost 39 years. And a lot of my 39 years have been in the wilderness where I've suffered pain of many flavors. So have you. It's not something I have gone through exclusively, but I've kind of got more used to the wilderness and like it. I'm familiar with the language of God in the wilderness, the silences of God in the wilderness. There's a prophetic trick to understand what God is saying to you when you're in the wilderness and he's saying nothing. Yeah, that's clever. You're thinking you need to be Scottish to get that one. Or maybe Irish. It's by perception. By perception. If you want to know how God speaks to you, generally, it's by perception. Where are you in your perception tonight? Pray God will raise the levels of your prophetic perception. It's there there's a language of intimacy. Give me the blueprint, Lord. Come on, chop, chop. I've got a service to go to and preach at. The Lord will say, well, let me tell you 
how I see you. We move into perception. He comforts us, gives us a righteous principle, flashes through a few scriptures across the screen of our minds, perhaps historical relationships we are still lamenting over. Do you have any broken relationships in your past that you're still lamenting over? We're going right now into the very depths of God's heart for you and I, for the lamentations we are experiencing in our hearts are the very lamentations that are in God's heart for you and I. Moving on quickly, Nehemiah was big in Reformation. Nehemiah's Reformation, the new Davidic order from 2 Samuel chapter 1, and Nehemiah's Reformation in Nehemiah 9, verses 5 to 38. A ton of scriptures in there. I'm not going to read them all out for the sake of time, but we're looking at something God did in the life of David. Now we're looking at something what God did in the life of Nehemiah. Both were times of reformation that had massive consequences for the people of God in that specific age. Nehemiah outlined in Nehemiah 9, verse 5 to 38, a whole process, almost a psalm of praise, as well as identifying people the Lord had chosen, how he had dealt with bringing the people of God out of Egypt, lots and lots of information. And very quickly, if you were at the nuts and bolts class this morning, let me see your hand if you were nuts and bolts city. There we go. Lots of nuts and bolts in the congregation. The biggest nut and bolt is on the platform. So smile, you could be me. <laughs> I mentioned the good spirit. The good spirit this morning. And it was spontaneous. But in Nehemiah 9, verse 20, in the New American Standard Bible, Nehemiah proclaims, you gave your good spirit to instruct them. And this is a nub of the matter in all things, and all things reformation. I truly encourage you, you journal, journaling community. Let me see your hands if you journal out there. Yeah, I could tell I was in a church full of journalers. Let me lift your hand if, let me see your hand if you want to journal. There we go. Yeah, I just preach about journaling. I never do it. Hallelujah. I actually journal in my heart. My heart is a place where the Holy Spirit acts as a ready writer. And every year I think this is a year I'm going to journal. And I do, but it's in my heart. It's in my spirit. So I'd never ask you to do something that I don't do. But these two portions of Scripture, you guys who journal, take them home with you and go on a long journey and have the Holy Spirit give you principles 
of reformation and impart a real spirit of reformation to you in the process. Not dry theological detail, but living and vibrant revelation in the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah goes through so many phases, working through Nehemiah 9, 5 to 38. And I believe it gives us another element of the foundation that the Holy Spirit is laying in the church in the here and now. Another element of the foundation. In summary, Nehemiah activated something in those verses amongst the people of God. A clear understanding of their history and a capacity to discern the true intent on the heart of God. It was not a devotional exercise, literally the lifestyle, the culture, and the apostolic mission of the people of God depended on them having a clear understanding of their history and to discern the true intent on the heart of God. In other words, it was not going to be glib statements made or speculations generated. Tonight we're in that same place as we nudge forward into revival and the coming reformation. We should have a clear understanding of our personal history in Christ Jesus. We should have a clear understanding of the history of living waters. And I'm speaking to my fellow members Never a church, always a movement. That's my buzz expression for living waters. Never a church, always a movement. There's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek in there, but I think you know what I'm getting at. You were birthed out of a movement, the way of the cross. The late, great Don Fortenhauer brought much to many of the historical members of this fellowship. That's why you've never fossilized that's why you're not preaching 1980s and 1990s messages tonight. Because you're a movement and you've gone forward in the Holy Spirit. And if you're that way inclined, study the 20th century move of the Holy Spirit at an overview level. And it will give you a sense of the family DNA. We're only now 100 and. Let me get this right in case there's any historians in the congregation. Azusa Street began in 1906. So 110 years would be 2016. 116. Let's go for 116. We have 116 years of being a movement in the Holy Spirit. 116 years of family DNA in the body of Christ. This is a Sousa Street movement was so dysfunctional. Everyone started fighting immediately. Carnal ministers who were burnt out went there, were spirit-filled, started arguing over theology. It all broke up. They went back into their own contexts and brought the Holy Spirit into their own contexts. And so it went all around the world. We need to have that level 
of understanding. Yes, we were born into this life at a certain point. For me, it was 1959. But by then, Pentecost had been on the go for something like uh, 53 years. It helps us get perspective on a natural timeline and a spiritual timeline as a church, as a movement, and in our own walk with God. And always in their own lives, in the life of living waters and their respective fellowships, to discern the true intent on the heart of God. What is the true intent on the heart of God for you and I tonight? What's the true intent on the heart of God for living waters? It's a big question. It's a massive question. Personal prophecy at best gives us six to ten bullet points of what the Lord's want to say, what's, what he wants to say to you and I at any given moment in time. But he actually has millions of thoughts towards us. He builds up a composite picture season after season, at church level, at personal level. I believe I'm entering into the final season of ministry in my life. But in honesty, I feel everything that's gone before 2022 has since departed. I'm lamenting over much of it. I'm trying to figure out what it means to be a second generation prophet. I'm enjoying being a pastor in Glasgow, Scotland. I didn't realize I had so much of a pastor in me until I became one. I couldn't understand why my denomination embraced me warmly and said, we see a wonderful pastor in you. I haven't told most of them I'm a prophet yet. <laughs> if they say, why did you not tell us you were a prophet? We don't believe in that. I'll say, well, you never asked. <laughs> Seriously, my denomination has a, a level of understanding the prophetic and embracing the prophetic. And when I signed off all my study years and, and courses I had to do, the national leadership of Assemblies of God Scotland asked me if I would be the prophet for Assemblies of God Scotland. Then we had a pandemic. And they've never said anything since. <laughs> so if you're watching online tonight... National Leadership of Assemblies of God, Scotland. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still here. Now, I'm using all this humor to make a point. I'm wrestling with what the future holds. And I know there's big surprises. I don't really know the true intent on the heart of God for me at the moment. But I'm enjoying the jump bumpy journey, wilderness city, perceiving and perceiving in God's silences. We are all in this together. Everything I've said up until this point is way of laying a scriptural foundation. We need to see the principles of reformation in the word of God, then we enter into them in the Holy Spirit. So this final part of the message over the next 20 minutes, ish, ish, ish. It's about you and I, because it zeroes right in in the bullseye. 
what's the true intent on the heart of God for us as a generation moving forward. I believe a final generation of believers that will experience the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit the world has ever seen. And then the Lord will return. I'm absolutely clear on that. I don't know the timeline. It's not wise to pull dates out of thin air. But I know the signposts. I know where we're at in the Lord's timeline. And we are at the end of the age. So as we work through these brief principles, understand that it will not come all at once. This is a church that journeys. You are a people that journeys with the Lord. We require more truth encounters. It's truth encounters that deal with all the issues of our life. Reformation can be a misleading word. It can take you and I to a place where we feel the Lord wants to reform us, especially the old nature, making the old guy the bad guy, the good guy, that really is not a godly thought. The only desire God has to do, the only desire God has regarding the old guy is to make sure he stays dead. For he was crucified with Christ Jesus. We're not bad people becoming good people. We're not good people becoming better people. We are the holiness of God continually experiences truth in the beloved. It's so vital in those truth encounters beyond the warm and fuzzy experience. We have good understanding, incredible understanding. All along the body of Christ has been on, on the earth to foster the apostolic mission of God as vast as it is and to make disciples. And in between the two, the gospel is preached to bring in the lost. And in between the two, nations are raised up, nations are brought down, and nations are discipled in the process. Yeah, planet Earth has always been a battlefield. We feel we've invented a new brand of crisis. But when you look through the history books, Living on planet Earth has always been a rather dodgy proposition. If we had lived previous centuries, most of us, a large swerve of us in this room would have died a long time ago. We've been kept alive by surgery. We've been kept alive in the grace of God, of course. And we live in a healthier, better era in so many ways. So we're part of the apostolic mission. We're part of being made disciples in the truest sense of the word. Deep calls unto deep. May the Holy Spirit illuminate our understanding at this time. We're needing further dynamic apostolic impartation. It's not something we should wish for, it's something we should believe for because any reformation in the body of Christ has come through significant apostles, 
We may not have called Martin Luther an apostle, or Jonathan Edwards an apostle, or the Wesley brothers an apostle. It doesn't really matter what labels we attach. It's more the function and the truth they brought to the church to bring about reformation, and then the church impacted the nations of the earth. This reformation could be called the great apostolic reformation. This reformation could be called the global prayer movement. There's so many titles we could give this final move of the Holy Spirit. And I think we need to be accepting of each other's definitions. I've got blinkers on. I can only see the prophetic component in the Reformation. I have to work hard to punch those blinkers out the way and get a, a more well-rounded perspective of what the Lord is doing in our midst. But apostolic impartation will be a major driver of the new. I also believe this apostolic impartation holds something significant, something that's never happened before. Generally, when there's a reformation, it causes a riot in the body of Christ. All the religious spirits turn up for the riot and bring their cousins too. This apostolic impartation, and listen closely as I throw a concept out there, will carry with it apostolic equalization. Apostolic equalization which means the entire body of Christ that's alive in God will get that revelation simultaneously. God is more clever than we think. He can do that. That's why he's working in the body now to receive the download. It's a time of polarization, which is good. I'm very happy to see the liberal church fade into liberal values and practices, knowing they're not following the Lord, they're following the lost. But for the alive evangelical church that is following the Lord Jesus morally and ethically and spiritually, then we are in this time frame of preparation, which means... We are in pole position to receive apostolic impartation. The demand on this apostolic impartation is to change spiritual environments and also to bring about fulfillment of heart's desire. A lot of the desires that we have in our spirits right now and you should audit your spirit frequently. Check out your emotional life. Is it soulish? Is it spiritual? If you want to decapitate your boss on Monday, that's soulish. Trust me, that is soulish. If you did this last Monday and hoping you don't get found out, well, we'll come and visit you in prison. But I'm talking about spiritual desires. You should be carrying spiritual desires that are absolutely ludicrous to the natural mind. It doesn't even make basic common sense. 
if the spiritual desires that you live in remain with you more than a year, I'm convinced that's God. And if you come and speak to me at the end of the service and say, they sound too good to be true, I'll say, that's definitely God. So as we walk our journey, as we move forward as the people of God, yes, new experiences are necessary, but they are married up with the spiritual progression that is part of our journey. Spiritual progression, there's another good concept to unpack. I'm giving you lots of homework. So sit up straight and fold your arms and pay attention. Definitely a frustrated school teacher. Spiritual progression. We need to know how we have progressed or how grace has progressed us. I can summarize most of my growth in the kingdom under the banner of in spite of myself. In spite of myself. I'm a Scotsman. You may have noticed. I talk funny. I don't let go of things easily. It's part of my calling as a prophet. Prophets are big on lamentation. It sounds like they need inner healing, and they probably do, but they're big on lamentation. For lamentation is an arena where revelation is birthed. But how have you progressed spiritually? Who started speaking into your life? Who did you start to listen to? What community grew faith in you? What community bank began to grow your most holy calling? Spiritual progression means something different to you than it would to me. Your fingerprints are unique to you. My fingerprints are unique to me. Spiritual progression. May we have insights about the years we've walked with Christ Jesus. We're looking for an apostolic-led reformation. Men and women, and I must say this, as I see I see women apostles on the churchscape, on the nations of the earth. Apostolic led reformation, selfless men and women giving up everything for the kingdom of heaven and considering their own losses great gain for Christ's sake. We can dare to ask, what apostles am I aware of in my spheres of influence? If you have no apostle you're following who's alive and preaching today, I can recommend one sitting on the front row. Apostle Bob Puller. I knew he was an apostle in training the first time I laid eyes on you, Bob. All those years ago, I was only a prophet in training then. I don't think I told you I was only in training when I came here. I forgot to mention that too, and you never asked. Transcribe the key points in Bob's messages and you'll begin to think apostolically. It's as much caught as it is taught. You can think apostolically. Why don't you choose a dead apostolic mentor? Don't dig them up in the graveyard. Just read their books. They're all out there and I'm not going to tell you who to read. That's part of your own journey. I've discovered A.W. Tozer in recent years. I've Discovered more recently the quotes of Charles Spurgeon, blow off the Victorian dust, 
and the culture of death and poverty that he ministered in, it's dynamite in the Holy Spirit. Spiritual progression, apostolic-led reformation, we receive the power and authority. We already have spheres we can operate and power and authority. And we grow and operate out of a clear sense of the value of the past. I'm 63 in November. Some of you are cracking on a bit too. Stop sitting there and trying to look young. <laughs> in a sense, we are manacled to the past in a revelatory sense. We may be still manacled to the past emotionally. That can be bittersweet. But a clear sense of the past gives us a true kingdom identity when we are on earth. And out of that clear sense of the value of the past, we can truly progress. We're all missionaries, whether we want to be or not. Because apostolic reformation will move the church out there. It's already begun. I've started to see that happening in the 1990s. I've been very aware of the shifts in the church since 2007 forward. I've been very aware of where we have been taken into cycles of death by installment. So many old charismatic practices disappearing. We're hitting the bedrock of Christ Jesus time and time again to be shaped and formed by new truth. So as I seek to land this plane in the next few minutes, leadership comes into the equation. The besetting sin of the historical charismatic leadership that did not apply in this house, but did apply in the movement overall, was a culture of control and domination. Some of you here tonight may have been broken by that. Some of the most amazing generals preaching the word of God as leaders of the movement, but it became hierarchical. The charismatic movement boasted that we are so against religion, we are so against legalism, then created so many charismatic laws that would make the rest of the body of Christ blush, a rule for every occasion. The spirit of control moved through that entire movement and decimated many lives. Part of the coming reformation is to rescue people from that movement that are still lying by the roadside 10 years past, 20 years past, 30 years past. We are all missionaries and we're all leaders but we're leaders because we're following the Holy Spirit. That's true leadership, being led by the Holy Spirit and giving away what the Holy Spirit has given to us out of a servant leadership. Judges 5.2, when leaders lead in Israel, then the people willingly offer themselves. We're designed to lead. We're designed to follow. 
We need to be followers. We need to be leaders. But we're taking that word back, the leadership word back, and we're reclaiming it for the kingdom of heaven. The greatest ministers are the greatest servants. And I've had the privilege of rubbing shoulders with men and women of the highest caliber in the body of Christ. I could drop some names to impress you, and I'm not going to do that. If you're impressed because I know high-level people, be my guest. Seriously, I'm astonished that the higher someone goes in servant leadership, you find they're humble and very broken. Great men and women of God, outside of the grace of God, would crumple in a heap of ashes. They're so broken. But they have this compulsion. I must preach and teach the word of God. I must lead the apostolic mission. I must love the people of God with the love that Jesus has loved me. The famous Glasgow pastor, Tom Allen, who said every Sunday when he mounted the platform to preach to the word of God, a kind of Scottish Charles Spurgeon used to say felt so unworthy. He felt so condemned because of an attitude he had through the week or something he said through the week. People of God will follow servant leaders. They'll no longer follow autocratic leaders. The carnal apostles of the previous movement have all gone. Many have passed. Many now are living out their final years on the earth in a diminished situation. The era of men building their own kingdom within God's kingdom has come to an end because the coming reformation is all about servanthood, leadership, and missionary service. Do you understand now why there's so much more we need to receive and understand? Do you understand now why the Lord has given us thus far 15 years of transition from the old model, the charismatic order, a time of transition to take us to revival and the reformation order? We're in the order of reformation right now. We're in the process right now greatest amongst us, the least amongst us, and in truth, the least amongst us is the greatest amongst us. Wow. Relationship city. Looking into the congregation tonight, I need to know the revelation of Jesus that you carry. My spirit yearns to know the revelation of Jesus that you carry. No wonder we do so well when we synergize. No wonder we do so well in community. And every good Baptist pastor says when he preaches, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org. Thank you.